0: Welcome to Where Will You Go, the FBC Tullahoma Missions podcast where we ask our members and listeners a simple question, where will you go? As we seek to advance the kingdom of God and the gospel message of Jesus Christ from here to the least reached peoples on planet Earth. In today's episode, we're going to be talking to my favorite person, one of my very favorite people on planet Earth, my mentor from way back, Pastor Gene Pickern, we hope you'll stick around, be challenged and encouraged to consider where you will go and how you can be a part of the mission. All right. Today in the pod, we have Gene Pickern with us. He is my mentor. Like I said, he's one of my favorite people on planet earth because he's put up with me for years and years and years now. And I'm excited to have him in the in the pod with us today through telephone. Um, this is our first, so you'll have to forgive any kind of disruptions or interruptions that we may experience. But welcome to the pod, Gene. Thank you for being here. I
1: uh, appreciate you asking me, Kevin. It's uh, my Privilege to be asked, and appreciate you giving the opportunity to share.
0: Tell us who you are. Tell us about yourself, your life, your personal life, your wife, your kids. Tell us tell us a little bit about who you are, Gene.
1: Well, obviously, I'm a husband, a father, a grandfather, pastor, missionary. Um, my wife and I met at college. Her name is Julie, and uh, we have two children: a son, Josh, a daughter, Christy, and then we have three great, wonderful, marvelous grandchildren, two grandsons and a granddaughter, and um, I have a great son-in-law, a great daughter-in-law. Our family has been uh, very blessed. Um, I started preaching when I was uh, 15, felt the call early in life, and then I took my first uh, church position at age 19. And um, so at this moment, I have served on a church staff or as a missionary for about 46 years. So that's basically um, other than uh, uh, family responsibilities, which I try to keep first before ministry. I have basically been in ministry all my working life. So that is who I am and what I've been doing all my
0: life. So you said you started at 19. People ask me, when when did you start ministering? When did you start pastoring? And when I tell them my age, I always say, and I had no business being a pastor at that point in time. Um, I don't know if you can say the same, but I, I needed a good bit more polishing and, and prepping before I took over the pastorate. But people were patient with me. Thankfully, my first church was very patient with with me. And God, obviously, has been as well.
1: Yeah, I was there when you were pastor at that first church. and uh,
0: Don't tell any stories.
1: I, guess, <laughs> I think we became uh, friends, and one of the reasons is our, our paths sort of parallel one another because you're starting early as I started early, and I could see a lot of myself and and you at that time, and you are correct, thank <laughs> God. Uh, some church folks had a lot of patience with a young guy mm-hmm. uh, getting started.
0: So you, you pastored for years before missions. So let's talk about kind of your church trajectory, what you did and where you were prior to missions.
1: Yeah, um, I took my first position as a youth pastor while I was in college. And then after college, uh, accepted a, a call as a senior pastor of a church. And so from, from then until... We were called to the mission field. I was about 44, so for about 25 years, I served as a, as a pastor. Uh, the majority of that time, uh, we were able to live a dream that I always had as a pastor of being involved with a new church start. So in my hometown, there was a new church start. That I was I was connected with some of those folks and. So we ended up becoming the um, the first pastor of that new church start and was able to fulfill a dream of uh, building a church from the ground up. And so we are there for over 13 years doing that. Um, we bought land. We had four building programs. Uh, when, I, when I actually arrived, they had been meeting for a short time. So they had about 50 people that were meeting and uh and it grew from that to about 300 in worship. And for many years during that time, we led the association in baptisms and church growth. Um, it wasn't uh, really uh, anything as far as my expertise was, was concerned was just the blessing of God. Uh, people are attracted to new things. And uh, this church had a, a little bit different approach to ministry and worship. An open door, welcome anybody, everybody from any background, social status, uh, and had quite a bit of uh, life and joy in the worship experience. And so, in that town, that was uh, basically what a lot of people were looking for. So, a lot of people were drawn to that. But it wasn't just church members changing churches, that because it was new and because of the approach to ministry, because of the outreach attitude of the people um the 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 church was able to reach a lot of uh, unchurched lost people and um, like I said, we had lots of baptisms during that time so that is the experience that led us uh, kept leading us toward the mission field because uh, all during that time we did mission trips every year and of course, uh, every time we'd sort of get a renewed interest in missions when we did those, Mission trips, preparing, doing them, and thinking about them when we got back. So that's what I was doing when I, leading up for 25 years leading up to the going to the mission
0: field. You had a brief stint after leaving there. You came to my home church for for a couple of years there as uh, as pastor. And that's where we encountered. I was already in ministry at that point. And just a little sidestep, this has really nothing to do with missions per se. But one of the things I always go back to is, you know, the church is. There were Southern Baptists, but really they were independent fundamental Baptists um, in their theology and their methodology. They were King James Version only. They were very uh, legalistic in a lot of ways, and, you know, that's all I knew. And had it not been for Gene coming and doing a short tour of duty at my home church, I would have never—I don't know that I would have ever um, broken out of that legalistic mindset— that I experienced um, there. That's because that's all that we knew. So uh, I've appreciated that for years. Those times we would go to lunch and and eat wherever that was. I don't even remember the name of the place now. But we would always go eat and kind of converse. And Gene never he never condemned that really. He just kind of kept pressing along and and teaching and and questioning and causing me to think until uh, finally I began to see uh, the legalism that's caught up there. So if for nothing else, you came to that brief. Tour of duty at my home church to help help uh, re steer me away from that legalistic background that um, was was prevalent in our in our association and in our area. Now, you you finally did take the plunge and you packed up. I remember helping pack stuff up. Y'all were giving stuff away to anybody. Just take it. Anybody that wants us just take it. So we don't have to put it on the truck as y'all were preparing to go to the Dominican Republic and Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic as missionaries. Can you just tell us um, briefly, and you kind of already alluded to it a little as you mentioned those mission trips um, in, in your church back in Alabama, but but what led you there? How did you know that is what God wanted you to do with your life at 44 years old?
1: Uh, well, actually, uh, my f- first sense that I was to be a missionary at some point in my life was as a teenager. when. An evangelist at our home church in Brad, Florida. And one night he did a, a missions presentation based on his uh, mission trip he had to Mexico and showed the slides and did everything you'd normally do in a missions presentation then. And the faces of those children really got to my heart. I actually went forward that night to, uh, I'd already surrendered my life for ministry. And I went forward to tell the pastor that night, I thought the Lord wanted, was calling me to missions. And um, so somehow that was cemented in my heart and never left. Uh, went on to college, we got married, um, started a family. And at that time, I would be required a seminary degree before they would appoint you. And so with some twists and turns in our life and ministry, I didn't get my seminary degree finished for quite some time. And then at that time, the children had gotten to the I and B wouldn't appoint us because they the children. So, um, and when we went to the church in Mississippi where you were, um, that, you know, every mission trip, every missions conference, every missionary speaker, we just, <laughs> that urge and that call would get a little stronger and a little stronger a little stronger. A little stronger. And during that time, for some reason, it just came back to us. Uh, Julie actually felt called the same way as a teenager when she went to a mission trip in Mexico and then went to missions week at Glorietta Baptist Encampment and met all the missionaries during that week. And so she actually also, as a teenager, said that she felt called to missions. And so for both of us through the years, missions was always important. And every time we were around missionaries or we did a mission trip or we went to a missions conference that urge would get stronger and stronger and stronger. So finally, we just uh, decided there in Mississippi we we're going to reapply. And we'd been through it before, and it didn't work out for those reasons I mentioned. And then we just said we're going to reapply, and we're going forward until God slams the door. This is our last chance. We knew at the age we were, we better get on with it. And so, you know, every domino kept falling, falling, falling before we knew it were. Plane headed to language school in Costa Rica, and that's uh, ultimately how we ended up. Uh, we felt called to the Dominican Republic. We had to go to language school first, and that's how we ended up on the mission field. Just a just an urge, just a call that never ever went away through all those uh, twenty-five years, mm. from a teenager to age forty-four, and just God would just keep renewing it, renewing it, renewing it until at that time. Um, Uh, We just said it's now or never. Our kids were both in college, and so we felt it was our last chance if we were ever going to fulfill that call or that dream, and so we started the journey and ended up there, so the Lord kept every door open and, and put us on the mission field at that time.
0: And use a lot of different circumstances to bring that about. And, and that's not the, the rest of Gene's story. But before we get to that, I want to remind you of the meaning of this music. And that music means that we're introducing to you the book of the month. Now, you heard our book last month. We have a new one this month. It's called The Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin. If you've not read The Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin, I want to encourage you to pick up that book wade through the heavy, heavy matter that is in that book as it talks about his experience on the mission field in Kenya, Somalia, around the globe. Also the struggles they had and then um, the losses they experienced and then also their experience with the persecuted church around the globe. It is a book that will challenge you. It'll encourage you. It will make you weep. It It will really impact your life. So if you're looking for a book to read, the Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin is a book that you need to pick up. It'll stir your heart for those around the globe. The Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin. So, Gene, if I remember correctly, it was 2000 when you and Julie left for the mission field. When did you come back? You had to come back, and um, I want you to tell us when you had to come back and the circumstances that that drove you back to the States?
1: Yeah, we started the journey and application, all that in 2000, we ended up uh, leaving for language for, um, we did our orientation at the end of 2001 and ended up going to language school early 2002. And, um, we were about a year and a half in language school and then got to, uh, Santo Domingo where we we're serving there ministering to the urban poor on the urban poor team. And, um, loving every minute of it, uh, finally getting settled in, the language was finally clicking and I, uh, you know, we could actually do some things in Spanish without stumbling and stuttering and <laughs> hunting for the, every, every other word, trying to get it to come out. And, um, actually at the time, uh, it was in 2010, um. Uh, we had been asked to take responsibility for the city of Santo Domingo by the Dominican Baptist Convention and we were um, been asked to lead our missionary team for that city. And so we were putting together a team of with our IMB missionaries and Dominican leaders. We divided the city up into five or six sectors. We had a Dominican, leader or pastor who had accepted responsibility to each one of those sectors. We were training, preparing, you know, sort of building the foundation to, to plant churches in all those different sectors and reach. There was over like 210 barrios among the urban poor, uh, 1.2, 1.3 million people. And so we were, you know, working out the, the plans to get a church in every one of those barrios across the city. And right in the middle of all that, Julie got sick with MS yet. We didn't know what it was. They first thought it was a stroke and um, we, the IMB pulled us out and on the way home, she got sick again in Atlanta. They thought it was cancer. And then we finally got to Florida and they figured out it was, uh, it was MS and uh, it was a really major attack. And so um, as a result of all that, it took a number of months, uh, the doctors finally told us that she was disabled and would not be able to return to live on the mission field. And so um, the IMB um, had a um, program, I guess you would call it, for missionaries who became disabled uh, while working with the IMB. And so they gave me the option to be uh, Julie's caregiver and for Julie to um, receive a disability stipend through the IMB. So I, we took that option, which required me to resign, and actually resigned in April of uh, 2011, I think it was. It took like eight or nine months to work through all that process because we kept hoping, hoping, hoping that she would get better and we could return to the mission field. But uh, it was that, that disability and that um, thing that... Uh, Cost us to end up back in, in the U.S. Thankfully, we were working for the IMB. Thankfully, we had all of our Southern Baptist churches standing behind us, continuing to give and support missions because even from then till now, the IMB has, uh, through the faithfulness of Southern Baptists all across the convention, uh, through cooperative program, mission giving, all that, the IMBs has continued to take care of Julie to this very day. Mm. So we're thankful to the Lord for that. All of her medical care has been provided, a stipend every month's been provided. Uh, We wouldn't have survived without the faithfulness of God's people and praying and giving and supporting us despite uh, her disability. In fact, we couldn't actually be there on the mission field. So we're very thankful to the Lord for all of that.
0: I don't know if you remember or not, but when she really had her flare up, we had a team there from our church. Mandy was down there and remembered. Julie having trouble yeah. walking up a hill. You know, it's like she was just couldn't couldn't seem to get yeah. it together. And then I think one of our team members stayed down there with you for a few more days until y'all got things situated and and got out of there. And it's just God providentially yeah. bringing alongside you a team mm-hmm. that you know yeah. that could have not been there to encourage you to help you along. And and uh, you know, here's a story of someone who wants to be on the mission field, and yet God. Uh, brings them home uh, against their will in a lot of ways. This is out of their control. This wasn't a decision they made. And we know and have to be reminded of the reality that God is good and he's working all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And his purposes and his ways are higher than ours. And now you're back and and you're here in the States, you're pastoring again. Um, That doesn't end the mission because you had to come home. So, could you just tell us a few things, a few ways that God has worked and used you and used Julie you, since you've come home to be involved in mission?
1: Yeah, well, all of my ministry, I tried to keep my uh, priorities straight is uh, my relationship with the Lord first, and then my family, my wife, and family. And then then the ministry came after that. And so. In this situation, we try to do the same thing. Uh, I, I, I've been in a position to accept the fact that Julie is my first um, mission field, first ministry responsibility. So, you know, we we take care of her, get her medical appointments, and and um, all those kinds of things wherever she needs to go, whatever she needs to do. So, we've continued to do that, um, and been able because uh, uh, Open Doors the Lord gave us to serve a part-time church in a part-time ministry situation, so we've been able to stay in ministry that way, and the church we're serving here in Texas is a very mission-minded church and giving church, and so they're actively involved in local missions, and they've also helped us with some mission trips to go back to Haiti, go back to the DR and do some pastor training conferences and things like that. In fact, uh, Kevin, you've been with us a couple of times on those mm-hmm. uh, trips to help train and encourage pastors and church leaders. So before the pandemic, we were able to do that. Since the pandemic, I haven't been able to go back. But I have a pastor here, a couple of folks talking with us now about maybe as soon as we can taking a, a team back to the DR. We've stayed in touch with the pastors through email and have a thing called WhatsApp. We can talk to them or text them and stay in touch. Uh, and uh, we get encouragement from them and give encouragement to them. And, of course, we have a list of Haiti and DR pastors and leaders we pray for every week. and have stayed involved through prayer. And, of course, since the pandemic, basically the main involvement in missions, as far as the DR and Haiti is concerned, is praying for. The leadership, praying for the people, praying for the spread of the gospel there. And so, uh, even when your feet can't get there and you can't, you know, walk the place, uh, can't be there amongst the people, you can always still touch the island and touch the cities and touch the people through prayer. So, that's what we've been trying to, to focus on and do as well.
0: And prayer is not a lesser ministry. We've talked about that oftentimes mm. on this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, we need people to go down into the well. We need people to hold the ropes in prayer. And uh, by yeah. by giving, I heard someone say this past weekend um, that we need people to, to hold the ropes in prayer. We need people to go down into the well. We need people to buy the bucket and rope. Uh, <laughs> so I think yeah, that's, that's a right. good analogy. Everybody links arms. And God God sovereignly in his providence And the seasons of our life uses us in different ways at different times. And I think we underestimate the testimony to the gospel of a husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church and being willing to give himself up for her, even if that means giving up a desire to do missions and to do good things and to be a full-time missionary. There is a testimony to the world and someone who would be willing to display the gospel and the love of his wife by putting his desires and in, in ministry and career, in a lot of ways, on hold to minister to her. So I think God is going to honor that in ways that you can only imagine. And We see here in the story of Gene and Julie Pickern how God uses us in different phases and seasons of our life and different different circumstances of our life It's important for us to be submissive to Him every step of the way and just seek Him and seek His glory, and He'll do with us as as, as good. We thank Him for that. Gene, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for telling us some of your story. We'll have to get you back on, and we'll talk about that trip to Haiti. That's one of the Wildest rides, <laughs> wildest rides I've ever been on, and I've been yeah. in a lot of places around the globe, and that yeah. was a wild ride. So maybe we'll just do another okay. podcast on our okay. experience in AT. That would we uh, can talk
1: about the riots and dodging the rocks and bottles, uh, the oh, flaming, that we have a good time, the yeah.
0: flaming bottles and <laughs> and the wreck after the everything. It was just never never yeah. ending drama. But let's pray for Gene yeah. as we wrap up today, we pray for Miss mm-hmm. Julie. We usually pray for an unreached people group. Mm-hmm. We'll pray for those and the Dominican Republic together as we wrap up this session of the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. We thank you for Jean and Julie and their willingness to serve you and serve you here, to serve you around the globe, to serve you in the home. We pray that you would honor them, that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, that you would Surprise them with your joy and your blessing today. God, we pray for Julie's health. We pray for Jean as he ministers to her, as he ministers in the church, as he continues to have a burden for those people in the the Dominican Republic. And we pray for those pastors there. We pray for the people there, the poor there, that you would continue to work in their lives, that you would continue to advance your gospel on that island of the Dominican Republic and Haiti. God, will give you the praise. We'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today in the pod for the Where Will You Go? First Baptist Church Missions podcast. Thank you for joining us. Hope you've been encouraged. God bless.